I'm in Max, 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 Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 29, Episode 13 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. My name is Stork. And in this episode, Eric from New Jersey writes in about a GM system issue. Magic Octopus writes in about immersion. Paul the Octopus, Paul the Octopus, Paul the Octopus, we love you. No, remember that? From the world. And an octopus's garden in the shade is the one I'm always thinking of. Oh my god. Oh, this was. My daughter loves that fucking song. I'd rather be under the sea. The dude. The octopus in the tank in the German restaurant? You don't remember this? No. During the World Cup, like three World Cups ago, they would put, they would put I don't know if it's like logos or something for the teams that were going to play in the World That's Cup. That's right. They had the, right. And right. the octopus would go in and there'd be like food in both of them. And it'd go and it'd pick one or the other first and it would eat the one first and whoever it picked first... That team won the. And you know, game. somebody somewhere was betting uh, that on Vegas. So, yes. Sorry, it's what's like, the World were, Cup? Soccer. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a sports ball. It's called football where they play the World Cup, okay? Because I don't holds think they a play a lot of beer. The World Cup holds a, a lot, lot of beer. beer. <laughs> oh, and, so, and then there was a thir- third email that I didn't put in the summary. Hold okay. on a second. And, and Zed from the UK writes in about unexpected twists and turns. But first, if you'd like to email us, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Yep. And they stream live, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on Fridays, happyjacks.org slash live. Yes. Live. Live. And we are only streaming on Twitch now. So, FYI, we were streaming to Twitch and YouTube, but we figured out that it will save us lots and lots of work if we stream to Twitch and then... Edit it and then export it and po- and that just automatically posts on YouTube that way. Right. So that way I don't have to go into two different platforms and edit the make the same edits to the same video. Well, you just make one edit. I just make one edit and then it just will pop over. So and there's only like I think there's like one or three people who watch on YouTube. Most people watch on Twitch anyway. So I, if you're one of those three people, I'm sorry. We don't mean to inconvenience you, but it's literally hours of my life that it'll, I will have back. It'll still end up on YouTube. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It just won't be live. It will be on YouTube very, very quickly um, afterwards. And Now, has that already taken effect? Yes, so right now... So those of you yeah. watching on YouTube, you can't, you can't see, see this. this. Yes, but you'll listen later, hopefully. <laughs> I actually like watching I on YouTube. I posted it today. I, I like watching on YouTube. I find the video quality better and stuff, too. But It depends I, on your your, your um, internet speed, too. But yeah. most of the time, Twitch has a thing at the bottom where you can... There's a little gear where you can adjust the... Um, the the quality, resolution. the resolution, that's the word I was looking for, thank you. The resolution of it, so if you have a, uh, like bandwidth issues and things like that, you can drop it. You can also turn off the video completely and just listen to the audio live, so that's an option as well. Oh, so go. Or you can have just listen to the podcast later, because they will start being posted more quickly, or more regularly, depending. Because I it's think. more streamlined. Hopefully. Yeah. So anyway, so cool. I appreciate that. So that is why, FYI. Excellent. Cool. All right. Oh, uh, I still have more announcements. Oh, go, Are you done? Okay. Go. All right. So, uh, transition update. Mm-hmm. Going super well. Um, most of my sewing area is now completely dismantled. My giant Lord of the Rings poster is now off the wall in another place where hopefully I'll find another wall to fit it. And we're going to start painting. <laughs> what are you doing? I broke my mic. Sorry. I'm sure there's there was a bug in my nice top of my drink. To. 
Okay. Anyway, so we're gonna paint the walls. That, that was it. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. You're fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, thank you so much to those of us, uh, those of you who've donated stuff. I had um, some things start arriving today. Um, those of you. We made a baby registry. This is very silly. <laughs> you just did. So <laughs> My awesome. thing was like making the you description. You a baby bonnet around the Happy Jacks logo. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but like making the little descriptions, like these mic holders will keep our baby safe from all the mean, mean vibrations. You did. Like writing the little descriptions for all the things on the Amazon registry oh, were hilarious. Go. But the reason we did an Amazon registry was because it's the only wish list that lets people donate like five dollars to a larger thing. So, like, we could have five people donate $5 to a $25 oh, I didn't thing. Know, I didn't know they did that on their... It their only registry. does it for the baby registry. Really? Like, for all the other wish lists, you have to just buy the whole thing outright. Now, does it do it for a wedding registry, too? I don't know. I haven't run one oh. of those. <laughs> but I did the baby <laughs> registry, and I knew it was a, a thing there. So I made a wish list thinking it would be the same, and then it wasn't. So then I was like, screw it. We're making a baby registry. Right. And we did the same. So our little Dio... So uh, that's what we've named the new studio is Dio. And uh, so it's getting stuff. So thank you if like you after Ronnie James deal. I'm not going to tell you the joke. I, I told it to like three people and they got sad. So I'm not telling the joke about how we got the name for it now. I Bill I'll came up later. with it though. It's very funny. It's very funny. Um, what is it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you later. You don't want to tell them? No, they'll be mad and sad because it's it's kind of a cutting funny joke. But never mind. Okay. <clears throat> Mystery. <clears throat> um. <laughs> so anyway, things are going really well. Um, those that stuff is arriving. We're we're very excited to get things set up. So again, the first first hopefully if everything's working show will be on April first. Right. The inaugural broadcast. Yes. <laughs> or are you kidding? Or is we're it not a paper kidding. Tool? We're not kidding. <laughs> Unless everything goes to hell and none of it works, and then we're totally kidding. Totally kidding the whole time. April um, fools. Yeah. <laughs> um, join the Discord. Uh, it is reorganized and being. Brought back to activity. There's lots of people there. Uh, so happyjacks.org slash discord. And you can chat with us. A bunch of the hosts have joined. Um, there's a different ways. If you're overwhelmed by discords, I totally understand. But it's really cool. You can opt out of different things. So if you want to just see like the game design section that we've added, then you can just join that section. You don't have to see all the other bullshit. If you're really into, like, oh, I really want to talk about politics, like there's a section you can opt in. And you don't... See any of the other stuff. It's not like just muting it. Like it's literally, you don't know it exists. It doesn't show up for you at all. So it's nice for organizing things. And based on our talk last week, remember we had our friend write in from like months ago who wrote in from the North Pole? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, I saw the map. I saw that. Yes. <clears throat> so I was really excited about this. So I spent way too much time that I should have been doing writing report cards this week um, <laughs> finding a way to put a map on our website. Cool. So you can go to happyjacks.org slash world map and you can add yourself on our world map wherever you are. So whoever is in the North Pole, like I know you're like at a military base, you can't tag like the exact location of the military base. Pick a pick a nearby place because that's just really cool to have like North Pole. Happy right. Jacks. We had there. some in New Zealand. We had some in yeah. like, some in Europe. It was very cool. Yeah, it's I haven't checked cool. it recently since you posted it, but I was amazed at the, it spans the globe. Yeah, it really does. And it, there's only about some of them. Um, the title that you put on your pin, um, we're asking people, please don't pin your like actual address. <laughs> please don't do that. It says in very clear directions there, but I've had like three people message me. Um, Kimmy, I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I didn't read the directions. Uh, so it's like literally on, on my, my house. house. Can you change it? <laughs> <laughs> and I like bring out my teacher self and I'm like, you need to read the directions. Yes, I'll fix that for you. Um, and also, if you're the, if you're the dude from uh, the Antarctica. 
I feel like that was years. years ago. It was years ago. But I, he might still be listening. Maybe, we don't know. Yeah. I feel like Although it, he may not still be in that. I feel like you can still tag it, though. Like, maybe that's it's legit. Maybe like, he's the same guy from the North Pole. He just, <coughs> you know. This, yeah, this, he loves this, cold weather. Yeah. This, he this got tired ex- of penguins. No, uh, the, guy, though, the guy in in the North Pole, yeah, it's not the same guy. <laughs> he, he told us uh, uh, what he was doing. The guy in the South Pole was not able to tell us. He uh, he sent me photographic evidence and said, "Do not show this to anyone, and you will attest I did not yeah. show it to anyone." No. I don't know. And but he he is in Antarctica. It, it's legit. You can see it was definitely Antarctica. But did, did he go over to the Norwegian base and find all the dead people and then the the no the, the giant the frozen Nazi coffin base when they went to the moon? No, I'm thinking about the John Carpenter's The Thing, which is like one of the greatest movies or the ever. giant spaceship. Buried yeah. underground. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched John Carpenter's A Thing? No. <clears throat> How about did you one watch, of the greatest movies ever? Did you watch X Files? Did you remember yeah. the X Files movie when they went down to? I don't and they know if found I watched the, the movie. I watched the whole series. They found the giant alien spaceship under buried under the Antarctic. I think that's like a lot of different movies. It's also Superman. Through, that wasn't Superman. South Pole, though, was it? Yeah, I think it was. I thought it was North Pole. Through the crystal. I stopped paying attention at that point. I was so angry about yeah. everything about that movie. That <laughs> Which one? It's exactly. in the first. It's in the first one too. It's, it's, a, it's in the. It's yeah, in the Christopher the, Reeve one like too. He throws Christopher the Reeve Superman. Yeah. There's there's a North Pole. Oh no, base. that one's that like in the North Pole, and that's not his ship. Like he made the he he made that himself. Like his. Um, yeah, they took the little crystal and yeah yeah yeah. That's different. But and in the new Man ice. of Steel, it's literally like oh, it's a, a Kryptonian ship, yeah, ship that's right. like been buried there for ever. It's very strange. Anyway, um, so yes, and I feel like that's legit. Like if you want to like. Retroactively tag where you were if you were in the Arctic or some oh, sure. cool place like that. Especially like, if it's Antarctica, because how often did that gonna so happen? So cool, yeah. Tag yourself. <laughs> so cool. Tag both, like tag now and tag like where you were before. So I, that's, I'm good with that. It's it's not exact science, people, but maybe where there is a, ta- a little tag on it, like you get to title it, and the title is is you, everybody can see your title. So don't like don't put your don't address. put your don't address. Put your, well, don't put your address and don't like put your real legal You're, name or yeah. something. <laughs> This is my social security number. I'm gonna. Oh, so. definitely put your social security. Yeah, beast. Use that instead beast, of. Yeah. Beast, hey, beast yeah, that'll fund our new studio. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah, nice studio that way. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that's all my. That's all my announcements. That's all. Okay. All right. You need to watch Tom Carpenter's a thing. Okay. You, you talk to Sam, and you guys can watch it together. I'm it's, sure he's seen it. Uh, it's excellent. Every time I talk about something, he's like, "Who's in it?" Kurt Russell. Who else? Now, who's Kurt Russell? No, no who else? Uh, Wilford Brimley. Um, uh, is the dude that played um, Hawkeye from the MASH movie in it? What am I thinking of? What? Alan Alda? No, no, from the movie. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Damn, that would be Donald like, Sutherland. Like shirt? Yeah. My daughter stole this and then Did she you mute it? Like, are they just being like Cleveland it's, it's steamers. assaulted with it's your loud sound? Okay. The Cleveland my, my daughter stole this shirt and then I think she went on Urban uh, Urban Dictionary and found out what it meant and I mysteriously Me- found it back in my closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> but she was. She was wearing it to school. I'm like, oh, I'm sure at school. You know, that is just, it's like, I think you planned that. I didn't. I think you totally planned I that. Here, didn't. Allie, why don't I, you wear this I shirt to school? My, I, amazing. My laundry, sometimes I leave my laundry in the dryer. I don't <laughs> fold it right away. And she'll go through and say, oh, I like that shirt. And she'll, she steals my shirt all the time. Dead yours. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, told, I laughed when I saw her wearing it. I'm like, do you know what the Cleveland steamer is? 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell you. You're my daughter. <laughs> and that's good ever, parenting right there. I don't there. ever want you to know what a Cleveland <laughs> steamer is. But, but, I'm, but you'll probably give me the shirt back once you find out. She sure did. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> a GM or okay. system yes. issue from Eric in New Jersey. Well, hello. Well, hello. There it hello. is. Uh, greetings from the beautiful state of New Jersey. Well, the northwest part where I am is quite beautiful anyway. It is I, Eric, from New Jersey, with a problem I need to ask for help with. By the way, Eric, you you write in a lot. Thank you so much. Yes, you've been listening for a long time. We really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, for the past year or so, I've been running Star Trek Adventures Classic Era Campaign. Nice. It's overall been a positive experience. Oh. Except I realize I dislike the 2D20 system. Dislike. Dis- didn't I say dislike? Oh, I thought you said I just like. Sorry. Oh, okay. sorry. Uh, I don't think the system is a failure. Are you giving me notes right <laughs> You can read it. Go That's ahead. Fine. I'll do the next one. All right. Is a failure. It is more of the fact that my GMing style and the mechanics are not completely compatible. While I am a serviceable GM with a system... Not the best, but not the worst, according to one player who has never played with me before. <laughs> wow, that is... That's a that's ringing a, endorsement that's right a there. mighty praise. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. Not the best, not the worst, according to, according to someone who I I've never met. That's gonna be the, I think that's going to be the new Poxy Boggard's uh, motto. Right? <laughs> not the best, not, not the, the worst. worst. According to someone who's never heard us. <laughs> according to someone who's never heard us. Damn it. <laughs> that is right. yeah, someone, someone say that about the Poxy Margaret so I can put that on the back of a CD as a, a quotes like critics rave about the Poxy Boggards. Not the best, not the worst. Someone who never listened to them. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can say that I haven't listened to the CD. It's just sitting in my car. So I haven't either. I don't even. It might be blank. I should probably listen to them yeah, before we start be selling, them. selling them. Our new CD is gotten back from the print. we actually had that happen once like like when we had cds printed way back in the day oh. they had a couple of like Do-wop. things still in the uh, i found out what happened with that it, but but let me finish the story so everyone else but they had like a couple of things still left in the print thing and so they got packaged with our printing and sent out to people and then like a month or two later we like you got calls like it are you, are you guys doing a doo-wop album and you're like no and then you can pick it up someone spilled at the at the print where they do the 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 screening onto the discs, the right. actual printing on them, not the not not punching the holes, right, right, but the the, the artwork, the artwork. Someone had knocked over a cart that had a bunch of them on there, and it was more than there's more than one job there, and they had not gone through the printing process yet, but they mm. had been stamped, so they were CDs with whatever was going to be on them, but there was no artwork printed on them yet, and so they just picked them up and kind of put them back on the spools, whoever did it. <laughs> Assumed that the ones that fell over here belonged on this side, and however, I, I'm so waiting to hear from the people that bought the doo-wop group <laughs> and got our and album. got our album instead. <laughs> Some church group, you know, and it's like, I borrowed the gunship Venus. Oh my! Oh, oh my gosh! Um, uh, Chat would love to know the name, a brilliant name of your new album. Uh, Songs of Vice and Ire. That is the title of our new CD, yes. which was actually released digitally two years ago. But now that we have a fair, it's been printed. So, not very limited run though. Only I only printed two hundred. 
Because who buys CDs? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> but I mean, maybe someone. I'm hopeful. Maybe someone. Buy it. It's coming back. CDs are coming back like well, Epoxy Bar. Scented candles, I think, will oh do God. very well. He's not joking. He, we, they, yes. they made those. Stork is going to work on the artwork. Yeah, but if you have like the brilliant technological advance that is going to replace CDs, like please tell us because yeah. we have bands and we don't know what the fuck. Everybody, right now. everybody. I mean, all this is this is happening. Like Steely Dan is trying to figure out how to market their stuff, and we're right. trying to. It's like we're all of us grappling with it. But and, well, we have been for a decade. Yeah. We've, we've seen this coming. Yeah. 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 We just and we've tried other things, and and it, yeah, none of them really work. Yeah. For for a while there, like in like the late aughts, it looked like it was going to be like thumb drives. Yeah, remember those? We were looking at wooden thumb drives, and we're like, "Ooh, this will be right. so cool!" I, I found the coolest one. It's a it's a old cassette tape that has a flip out USB port. I remember those. And it's the they they will custom print your band as yeah. if this was your cassette. Which is freaking awesome, but who the hell is going to use that? Now? Right, and at some point, people are going to pick this up. What is this supposed to be? What is this right. weird thing? And Why you're is this like, so big? Uh... Well, it's like, well, my kids do that with CDs now. Right. I, they found a CD wallet in the trunk of my car. Allie's like, what's that? Is this music? She didn't know what they were. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like Austin Powers. They put it on the LP. Right. Wild. My neighbors are hanging them from the trees to keep the crows away. <laughs> I've got well, we've got thousands in there. We could do something with them. Crows, yeah. you go throw them at crows. Uh, I just can't excel at it. We're back to the D. 20, oh yeah, sorry. The Thank 20 you. System. We're back in our sorry email. for the. Um, I leave the sessions dissatisfied with my GMing in the system in ways I never felt with something like Savage Worlds or Masks. Normally, this would result in an adult conversation between me and the players, but if we decide to stay with the system, my players would maybe think that I'm not giving it my all because of the difficulties I have with the system, and I don't want to put that nugget in their mind just yet. Mm. So right now, I see three options. One, stick with it. Try to get better at it. I don't hate the system, but I don't think it's completely compatible with my particular style. However, practice makes perfect, and perhaps I can grow as a GM outside my comfort zone in this regard. For the record, the original STA books is is laid out terribly, and finding... What I need is very difficult yes. with an electronic copy. That's a lot of rules. Yeah, that's one of my big, big bugaboos because I'm old. I have to say words like bugaboo. Right. Uh, it's one of my big bugaboos about electronic copies. Is like wait, wait, wait scroll, scroll, or because nine times out of ten in a PDF or whatever it is, the, the, if the you content a, doesn't work. If you, you produce a, a, a RPG PDF and it's not searchable, the text is not searchable. Oh. You're a monster. Yeah, hundred oh. yeah, percent. You're the Hated. enemy. Yep. I'm trying to rack my brain about if I made sure that Decimo was searchable. I think I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I meant to. Not I did. That's, that's not that long. Yeah, it's though. like four pages long. So. Okay, yeah, that's different. That's different. But it, it's a literally book a with chart hundreds of pages. Where, yeah, no, that's bullshit. Yeah, you, literally charts with you just have to look at the charts. Like, super right. easy. So, so my players and the thing electronic copy. Okay. I mean, electronic sure, copy. I made sure like uh, 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 text to speech readers can use it. So I probably made it searchable. Oh, yeah, um, yeah it'd have to okay. be. Yeah, yeah it would true. have okay. to be if it can do that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, for the record, the book is laid out terribly, the difficult finding even electronic copy. It intersperses crunch and fluff. I hate that. Uh, regularly while using the same terminology in both. Oh. Things are damn hard to look up. Nice. We've been doing this a long time. <laughs> the crunch and... Uh, yeah, mm, that's, that's that, messy. Yeah. Mm. It's like... Have a, just have a section. You don't have to put it in the front of the book. I would. 
here are the game mechanics. Yes. And then all of the fluff. Yep. And then use the same terminology in both? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's not going to... And then the best mess. thing is when in the fluffy part, you have like those little like 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 quote places where like, hey, this is pull great. Quotes. Yeah, yeah, like the pull quotes are the little like blocks that are like just in the layout that are Sidebars. like... Yeah, sidebars, thank mm-hmm. you. I am a game producer. <laughs> um, <laughs> that like, like, oh, this is good for this rule on this page. Like, I'll, like it just like references back, but it's not like information. In, like, right. In, yeah. It's, right. a, been, it's like color commentary. Yeah. I've been looking through uh, the lighthearted book that I got mm-hmm. that Kurt made and um, and Katie, and it's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. They did s- such a phenomenal job. Yep. It looks so good. And I just, it's fantastic. I, like, all the things I was looking at, I was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I want to steal that. I'm gonna, I mean, bar, that's a great inspiration. Homage. Homage. <laughs> Homage to lighthearted. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I, option number two. Yes. Talk to the players about moving it to another system. Okay. As Erica has suggested to me, talk to people on the Pinnacle forums, for example, and see if there is a good Star Wars adaptation. Star Trek. 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 Whatever. Same shit. Mm. <laughs> Happy to die. May the force be with you. You, you won't just, miss me. You, you just, won't miss me. You just said that because I read the emails now. Oh, I didn't say it. All right. Maybe uh, look at Kimmy's beta for her sci-fi PBTA game. Oh, yeah. And see, and what is the name of that game? Starscape Starscape. PBTA. And see if that would work. The reason I hesitate to do this is your own trouble, Stu, when you went from 4th edition to another system, Hero. Yeah. Uh, and trying to get the players right, even if they couldn't be exact. Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. Changing, this, changing uh, game systems is a pain in the ass. Don't do it. Now, it may not be... Um, Okay, like I haven't looked at Star Trek Adventures since Dave ran his his uh, his AP of it. It may not be quite as big a deal because the way you build powers and stuff in D and D makes very specific characters. Where I don't know if in Star Trek Adventures it's more generic stuff like shooty lasers and things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, I have, I have no idea. Because like taking like um, I'm completely blank on any of the things. But Ranger Bard. Yeah, like I was I, like Torture. I was like a Raven Queen um <clears throat> Cleric. Cleric. Right. Um it's like trying to switch that to GURPS fantasy where like it's completely different. Like that was that, that those are just two very incompatible systems where Oh you, well, you can make that character concept in the game. Which we did. You can't what we were trying, what what we were trying to do, which I would did not want to do, was people were recreating all of their D and D character powers. Yeah. In hero. Yeah. Or hero. That's what it was. Because we started with hero, and then yeah, we went yeah, to yeah, we went to Gerbs. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like also we did three different systems, so yeah. it's a little different than just switching one system. Yeah. Well, I've, we should go through this, but I I, oh, yeah. I have some things to say okay. about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what be exact? Uh, option number three. It might be time to end the game. We play once a month, and it has been going for 12 or so sessions. Maybe it's time to call it quits. This would involve another adult conversation with the players, and I don't I just don't just want to kill it with fire right away. Maybe just say we are going to have another session or two before we end it. So that's where I am right now. Hopefully you can offer some sage advice. Anyway, stay drunk, stay diverse, and keep on rolling those dice. Thanks, Eric from New Jersey. P.S. I didn't want to edit the main body, so you can actually get postscript. It turns out two of my six players actually are not thrilled with the game system either. Of course, one of the other players bought me Klingon dice for the game. Sigh. Uh, Eric in New Jersey, also a member of the Discord, very active, and yeah, 
That's actually where he's talking to Erica Odd about some of this stuff. Cool. So it's good. I have I have thoughts. Do you want to take it by point by? I mean, I don't know. How do we want I, to my I would I'd kill it. <laughs> I I would I would. It's like yeah, switching systems is a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's a real pain in the ass. Even though even tell people it says no, just take care of your concept, like the basic concept. It's of your a just make a new thing. Like, it, but I have this feet I got with XP, and I want this but, feet. But it's but it's even more than that. I mean, you're you're trying you. You have a history and stuff involved, and you have a character concept that you get. That you have, and, and when you switch systems, it actually it changes the way you play. Oh, sure. Because yeah. the way I play GURPS is completely different than the way I play D and D, and they should be. Yeah. Well, oh. you you get in a fight in GURPS, you run away. Right. And, and, <laughs> and it, so, therefore, it affects the way my character interacts. Right. It's completely different, and it it, it changes everything. It's not just. And so, trying to minimize the impact of changing, you try to you try to move as much of your character over. It doesn't work. You're you're already playing in a whole different style anyway, it, and the whole the whole flavor and, and, and mood of the game changes. Everything changes. It seems like we'll just change systems; it'll be fine. It isn't. Yeah. It completely changes the game. The way they play, the way they're feeling about the game, the famili- the even the familiarity of like. Uh, uh, all right, you see a you see a, a fin come through the ground and it goes up and ooh, ooh it's a bullet it's a bullet all right cool and all of a sudden in GURPS so you see a, a misshapen hand climb through the ground and like, I don't know what that is do you know what that is I don't know what that is run away right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it changes everything you think it's just the system it isn't it's going to change everything yeah I'm going to argue for middle ground mm-hmm. um. End this campaign, but stay in the same universe and play some sort of amalgamation of descendants from your current characters. Mm. That would totally work. Yeah, yeah. that, that totally way work. they don't lose all the the lore and history and like attachment to the characters they have now. And you can very cleanly switch systems, mm-hmm. so yep. it's not like wiping the slate clean. That was terrible. We hated that. Like they can take over all the most important things and the things they really loved about that game into a new clean slate of a game. Um, so especially the players who like weren't having a super a lot of fun, like that'll give them a chance to kind of reset and stuff. So. Yeah, that's a great idea. And Stu's sort of done that. He has Eldaby now has transferred has been transferred and to L5R. about four or five different L5R, L5R, L5R too, yeah. a couple 100%. of different um, game systems. Yeah, we, L5R, we went. We were in a good system, then we went with the shitty new system, <laughs> and then we went back to the good system. And we system. hated it so much, we killed off those characters. On- <laughs> and, and did it again in, yeah. a, in, a, in a better Yeah, time. But I have, to, I, like, I have to say, I was actually talking about this, I guessed it on um, like the 42 cast, which is uh, another podcast the other day, and they asked me like what like one of my most um, like important gaming moments was, like one of the moments I've ever enjoyed most in a campaign. And I said, like... When we played our Elvivar campaigns and you gave us our new characters the swords that our first characters had gotten. Right. And, like, even though it was, like, this little moment that, like, was so easy for other people to miss, like, because we had so much history and emotion, like, we were crying. Like, it meant so much to us because of all that time that we put into those, and all that history and attachment we had to those first characters. And you didn't necessarily get the sword from your character. We didn't. It was because you we specifically were didn't. Play, playing de- descendants of other players PC. Yeah, yeah. And so and then like when my sword got spoilers, if you haven't listened to it by now, come on. Um <laughs> like got destroyed because because of the stuff that Dave's character did. I won't say everything. Like I was just like <gasps> like even that was like like as much as it was like a heartbreaking moment, like that sword that my original character right. had like like there's just so much history and it's such a, a fun thing for players to do 
is to like look back on their previous actions as history that informs the actions of their current like maybe totally different maybe exactly the same character um, there's a, there's really a shared cool. memory that you have with all yeah. about all of those characters. I've had encountered it in video games. Like yeah. I went back to EverQuest years later, and like walking through places that I like died in or had yeah. met people, and I'm like, okay, this is a completely virtual world, <laughs> and yet I'm having like a visceral reaction, yep. to like going back to this place that doesn't really exist, but somehow in my brain I have memories of. You have lived there. I lived yeah. there. There was like, and it's the same with these with these role playing games. It's like there's this visceral shared memory we have of this world and the stuff that we did. Yeah. It isn't real, but it, it is in a way. It is it's, real to us. It's real to us. Yeah. What you can that said just gave me an idea. Okay. You end the campaign. Just end it. Like you, you're going into a system. Uh-huh. End the campaign. It's 20 years later. Oh, crew of a new ship. The Hulk of the of the ship from the first campaign just uh, mysteriously appears in the neutral zone. Nice. You have to go investigate what happened. What happened? Where it right. came from? Yeah, that's cool. Like, there there's so go. many things you could do. Yeah. Or like their current crew goes out in like this blaze of glory and becomes like this legend of yeah. Starfleet Academy that mm-hmm. everybody talks about. Um, so, and, like, some of your characters might be, like, descendants of people who died there, and, like, they have to deal with the, the weight of being, like, this hero's, like, like son or daughter or, or, or child, and there's, like, all these things, and some people, like, really look up to it, and, like, some people think it was a terrible thing, like, there's so many fun ways to tie it into a current campaign, um, that don't have anything to do with the mechanics. Right. So you can totally just pick a totally different system mm-hmm. and still continue a really awesome story in your universe. And I know there's lots of Star Trek hacks out there for, I think, almost every system. I think there's a Traveler one, there's a Savage Worlds one for sure. There's yeah. all sorts of hacks out there if you want to just start looking at, at Star Trek adaptations and other systems. Yeah. Um, and if you want to look at Starscape, I'm happy to chat with you. Like, DM me in the Discord, and, I, and we can talk about it and see if it's a good fit. It may be a good fit, it may not be. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for trust and feels and like tension between do I trust you, do I not, then it might be a great fit. If you're <laughs> looking for how much damage does my phaser do, then you know that's no. right. <clears throat> that right, thank you, email. Eric. Yeah. That was a good, good discussion. It was. Go us. <laughs> Immersion. Magic octopus. In an octopus's garden. Oh my daughter listens oh, to that. Yeah. I, I, I made this mistake. Okay, there's this very cool thing. I'm going to like segue before we go anything. It's called a Yoto. It's like a little player. Mm, um, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she's also obsessed with Yoda. Who isn't, I, I know. really? She's, it's very cute. Allie hates it when I punch her Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> but a Yoto. But it's like this little music player. And you can make little cards that are attached to like a playlist on the cloud, so she can actually switch different music. She like we made her a bunch of these cards with like playlists that we made because we didn't want her to listen to annoying like kid music. So she listens to like Crazy Frog. <laughs> well, she listens. <laughs> she loves like uh, there's like a, a mix we did of the Clean Boggers and Wives stuff, which she adores. Mm-hmm. And like there's, the, anyway, there's a whole bunch of different stuff, rock music. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very funny when she like rocks out to music. Um, but anyway, uh, like one of them is that song. Is it the Ringo Starr one, yeah. or did you get it from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she like plays it, but they, she also has the control of it, so she can like hit repeat. Right. And she does it a lot. Oh sure. She's hit that a- age where it's like, oh god, this is the fifteenth time of me listening to Weird Al sing Yoda. <laughs> this is nice. I think. Have you seen his cameo in the? Uh, oh shit! Listen to that band. Uh, he did a cameo. Uh, um, like one eighty two. No, no, it uh, was. Uh, Weezer. Oh, they yeah. did a, a yeah. whole album of covers. Yeah. Very, like, uh, faithful covers. Yeah. That's cool. 
And and one of them is uh, Africa by Toto. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a and he's in he's in the video. Yeah, I, he might fucking, actually be in the recording too. I think that's cool. But I don't know. Weird Al. Weird Al. He's he's no longer just the purview of nerds and, and music yeah. geeks. People, rightfully so, have caught up with the genius that is Weird Al. I was talking about it today at work. Just just to decide when Michael Jackson did bad and. Uh, and beat it. He did beat it first, and then mm-hmm. he did bad. And they were there. It's a song cycle. They, right. One led to the other. So Weird Al, because he's so meta, did did uh, eat it, eat it, and, and then fat. did fat, right. yeah. which also ties in because when you eat it, you get fat. When you right. beat it, it's like <laughs> he's that good. Yeah. And then go listen Very to the smart. lyrics and how he justifies. Uh, it's he's the that lyric, good. Yeah, he's the that lyrics deep. are so good. Anyway. Someone who built songs a lot. It's just it's it's inspirational. Yes. Anyway, Magic Octopus. <laughs> Nothing to do with that. But anyway. You want me to read it? Yeah, I do it. Oh, okay. I read the long one. I took. Hello, douchebags. Lately, actually, not lately, but <clears throat> the past twenty-five years, I have struggled to get what I really want from RPGs. When I first encountered them as a kid, with my mind's eye. I saw different imaginative worlds and wanted to experience. Or wanted to go experience them. Reading these magical RPG books evoked something unique in me. Something uh, like that pre-written and crafted stories from movies, books, and comics could not achieve. A dream of diving into these worlds and not just spectating them from the outside. I've been gaming for almost 30 years now, and to this day, the great moments where I truly feel like I am embodying my character are few and far between. I feel that I am alone in my problem because immersion doesn't seem to be that important to others. My ideal RPG session would be just the characters shooting the shit around a campfire. That can only happen if the players are truly in the moment and feel free to improvise on their characters' knowledge and experiences from the world. Also, the players would need to prioritize the experiences of being in another world rather than the need to achieve an adventure goal or to progress the narrative. As an example, one of my favorite moments was when my loop-playing fighter gave tips to the local bard on how to construct a never-ending song. <laughs> <laughs> this is the song that never, never ends. ends. I hope that's not on her playlist. No. Because... No, nope, because I control this playlist. Aha. <laughs> well, I, I, Crazy Frog? Mm-hmm. Put that, you know, you know, do you know Crazy, crazy Frog? Crazy Frog. I can't play it. Yeah, it it still shows up in, in my shuffle because I got it. <laughs> My very first iPhone, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Allie was probably five. Yeah. And she went crazy. It's the actual Foley theme. Dun, 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 it is. Dun, 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 yes. dun, dun, but they dun, added the. They mixed it, yeah. High pitched. No. From, <laughs> from Beverly Hills Cop, though. Dun, yeah. Dun, yeah, that definitely sounds like a thing I don't want on a playlist you no. can't repeat on. No. No. It, it, no. it would repeat. It would it repeat. Was, it, it used to, Disney used to have a radio station that would play it on it. And, and I remember we had a conversation about. Because. Uh, Stu and I have kids around the same age, so we would listen to these things. And one time, St- uh, Tom Waits came on the Disney thing, and it's what's he building in there? <laughs> oh God! What's he doing? And the kids thought, "Well, this is kind of interesting and stuff." And I'm like, "Tom Waits, yeah." I was like, <laughs> Hear all the construction noises. Yeah. In the background. What's he building? What's he's got what all those magazines? <laughs> what's he it's doing? Just weird in there? shit. It's that just weird. Strange. It's a great like tone poem. Tom yeah. Waits, the great Tom Waits. <laughs> Where the hell was I? I was uh, I was reading as an example. As an example, oh, my favorite was okay. Loop playing uh, benefits that my, um, to construct the never-ending song, and what the benefits of that might be. 
There were no game mechanics used, and the discussion had no bearing on the current mission or adventure. It was just two dudes talking shop. It seems to me that for most people, the biggest things in RPGs are stories and rules. Which one is more important depends on the person. But to me, the most important, and thus far, nigh unattainable ideal is immersion. I want to look at a fantasy world through my character's eyes and feel it. I want to see attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I want to watch sea beams glittering in the dark near Tannhauser Gate. And I want to talk about how it felt. That was all improv by Rutger Hauer, apparently, during during that movie. Was it really? Yeah. It was yeah, all improv? Yeah. It was sure. uh, the, that whole or, or shoulder of Orion and sea beams glittering right. on 10 hours again. People often asked him when he was still alive, like, what does that mean? He goes, I don't know. I was. <laughs> it was like two in the morning and I'm standing on a rooftop and he says, come up with some stuff. And I came up with it. And uh, why do you even remember? Yeah, he was, he was a curmudgeon, I guess. Uh, at this point, it is probably After the best. Our be- own hearts. <laughs> it is probable that the best immersion comes from just reading RPG books and using my imagination. Maybe a group with a similar desire doesn't exist. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this and wouldn't even like such immersion. Nevertheless, I desire it, and so far haven't got what I want. Questions one: How important is immersion to you? Can you share some immersive moments from your gaming history? Two: What kind of system do you think would cater best to immersion? My feeling is that a simulation is one like my favorite GURPS. Yeah. Instead of a narrative system, my definition narrative systems prioritize narrative, that is, story and controlling narrative with rules makes the game more dis- distancing instead of immersive. Hmm. I can. Uh, I know exactly what he's saying. Thanks and keep I on know. jacking happy. Matt's oh, my. That is that is that, that is my criticism with with any game that gamifies narrative. Okay. So let, well, let's start with number one. How important is immersion to, to you? To me, number one. Absolutely. Number one. It is the most important thing. Yeah. It, it very rarely happens, but when it does happen, it is fucking magical. Yes. Uh, as a GM, it never happens. No. <laughs> but as a player, I, I mean, well, kind of, maybe a little bit. You get those moments where you feel like, okay, it's going to sound awful, but like God. Where, like, they're talking, they're arguing, they're so into it, and you just are, like, sitting there watching. Look what I have wrought. Yeah, like, <laughs> fight and fight for me, my minions. A, yeah, it's not exactly the same, you're <laughs> right. But that you are completely immersed in what they are doing in the world you've created. To me, it, to, 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 for it to be immersion, it would have to be if, I, if it happened while I was portraying an NPC. Okay, that, yeah, that can happen. Or, or like, I'm like, I feel like that's not as much. The, and, yeah. But but having seen, you shouldn't be that close no. with your NPC. And you need to be calculating hold, while hold, you're playing Hold that on, hold on. I don't know if you guys have played with uh, Dave Kazay, but yes. he completely immerses himself into the character's roles, oh, yeah. into the world, and into his narrative. No, there's a difference between him being... like He's a it, good actor, yeah, he's is a good what actor. it is. Like, he's and, fair. And immersing into the story, yes. But while he's being an NPC, if you know him well and you watch his eyes, you can see him calculating and thinking as a GM. That's so, true. So, he's still GMing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he is amazing at, at like getting into it and performing to get his players into it. That's true. But he's not becoming that character so much that he's not thinking about what the character is doing for the players. Yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. yeah so that's like, fair. you're... He is amazing at creating immersion at his table. I think okay. it's the oh, magic. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's the most important thing. Um, I think we are super lucky because we've always kind of had had those moments. Like right. it's not ev- it's not constant in every game for no for any group, no it, matter how amazing. They it's are. a it, to be honest, it's a rarity. 
and to, <laughs> to like to feel that true immersion, like I am experiencing what my character is experiencing. It probably doesn't happen every session. It's exhausting, no, well, yeah. and and it's it's also uh, it is it is exhausting. It's, it's it also be. kind of scary to a lot of other people too, because it's like suddenly you're crying or yelling. Oh yeah, especially especially if it's a very emotional moment, and yeah. suddenly I'm as angry as my character is. Shit, <laughs> this is not healthy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Or I'm as sad as my characters, or whatever it is. And you can't you can't keep that up for no. very long. And th- yeah, th- feeling emotion swings is fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So you can have like moments of it in a in like maybe once or twice a game, but to stay in like an emotional state of your character that probably isn't healthy. It com- it's not healthy, <laughs> and it's exhausting and, and emotionally draining, and it's it's not good well, for you not, at all. But. At, at that point, if it's like the whole session, that stops being gaming at some point. Right. That stops being like that starts being like method acting exercises. Well, actually, I have a I have a thought about <laughs> okay. that for two, but. Yeah, Yes. Um, but yeah, I, can you share some immersive moments from your gaming history? I can remember when Mac and I got into our characters and we were yelling at each other yes. at the table, and I think it's it genuinely scared some of the other people. That was stressful. It yeah, was everyone stressful. starts checking in. It's like, are you guys like, are you guys okay? Each other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're like, no. Uh, Allie came in. And we we're like, oh, hi, Allie. Yeah. Right. And my, my biggest one was also it was a fight. It was when I was playing Oppenheimer. Mm. Yeah, and and we got in a big argument because I went out and decided to to be a vigilante in the, and I kind of can't remember the the guy's name, but he he was like the leader of our team, and he's like trying to dress me down. I'm like, you need to stop coddling these criminals. <laughs> and you went off. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We talked about this. We had this oh, it, it, and it was it was fun, but it was intense. And it, it you you shake. Oh your yeah. Your body doesn't know you're pretending. This is what. It, Actors. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like you're tricking you're tricking your endocrine system to start like this is what a lot of actors contend with. Like if they, when they're in the moment, they're in the zone, and they get that yeah. their body doesn't know that they're pretending. They've worked themselves into such a snit that they're literally shaking or crying or whatever, and it and it's emotionally draining and it's not healthy. No, which is why I contend a lot of actors are kind of crazy because they <laughs> live on that edge a lot. They get paid a lot of money to live on that edge. Well, some of them get paid a lot of money. Yeah, right. I don't know. I feel and like some of them live on that edge. Yeah. <laughs> And well, I think, and I feel like some of them feel like they have to be on the edge to be valid, like right. to to, yeah. to be good acting. Like, oh god, like, they'll see me acting if I'm not actually. Yeah, like they feel like they have to be it all good. the time. I forget who it was, but some famous method actor was talking to some other famous actor, and you'll know who this. It was is Dustin was. Hoffman, yeah. and he and he let everybody oh, off the hook was, for uh, method acting, and it was. Well, no, no, no. Somebody said to I don't know if it was him, but at some point, said, have you have you tried acting? Oh yeah, yeah. That that was Dustin Hoffman yeah. again, and it was uh, it was the Marathon Man. That's it. And Dustin yeah. Hoffman, and it's the guy that played the dentist. Yes, and Dustin Hoffman had stayed up like three days and looked all haggard and everything. And um, <laughs> oh my God, I've, now it's his name fell out. I just I had it a second ago. Uh, <laughs> but he walks in and you know he's all refreshed, and has his coffee or whatever, and Dustin Hoffman's all <laughs> and he looks at it. Oh, it's important. It's, why don't you just try acting? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, uh, years later, Dustin Hoffman was on, I think, inside the actor's studio, and he kind of let everybody off the hook for method acting. He goes, you don't have to method act all the time. And he launched into something and started shouting, and came back and said, not feeling a thing. Just shouting, not feeling a thing. You don't, it's a tool if you find yourself stuck, but you don't have to be method acting yeah. all the time. It's exhausting. And he went on, and it's like, oh, thank God, if Dustin Hoffman let it's us off the hook. For Right. Well, definitely not good for you. No. I feel like I do this more than both of you. I feel like I get immer- immersed in my characters pretty easily. Um, obviously, like, not when I'm GMing, but I feel like generally I have at least once or twice a session, like a moment where I feel like I'm my character talking. Right. Um, 
Gosh, there's been so many moments. I think, like, one of the most... I mean, I already talked about the sword moment. I feel like we've had... In L5R, we had so many moments. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, there's a moment... The magic is, like... There's moments where you as a player are immersed in your character, but the real, like, magic moments is where you look up at the table and you realize... Well, you don't even realize, because you're so into your character, you're talking and everybody's immersed. And you don't really think about... I'm talking to Stork and not his character. You know, you're right. talking to his character. And those are those magic, like, maybe a couple times a campaign moment. And a lot of them are just discussions, like you said. It's yeah, sometimes it, most of the time they are. It, it starts out maybe with planning or whatever, or sometimes it's just like everybody's meeting at the vampire lair, and there's a long, hour-long discussion, arguments, uh, and, and characterization that happens there mm-hmm. that's well, the, not completely planned. The fact that what he describes in here is just small talk between yeah. two characters. It has yeah. nothing to do with the storyline. Yep. has yeah. nothing to do with the adventure they're on. That's the kind of shit that, like, actually, not only not only can that help immersion, but it also breathes more life into the characters mm-hmm. themselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It can also be super frustrating if you're Stu and you want us to make some progress on the storyline, <laughs> and the vampires just want to sit and bitch at each just other do for something. hours. Just no, do something. Five no episodes. Of, no, you're just like, oh, this is a real problem. This could be dangerous. Let's put a pin in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know what was going on. I, and I also know that, <laughs> just to, to... If I don't do anything... It'll just sit there. <laughs> now, I, I, moving moving on to the system. Did you know how answer, I GM? I don't. I can't think of like a specific. I think the end of another like in point that really um, sticks out to me is at the end of Jason's Revelations campaign, which is our, his first um, playtest of um, demigods here. Right. Um, like I don't want to say too much about it, but like there's a moment at the end where we were kind of resolving things, and one of the characters, um, like like leaves the world through a thing and she has two children and my character had been like this like like paparazzi like like party girl like not responsible for anything like I was couch surfing I was convincing people to like let me stay at their Airbnbs for free like that was my life and I ended up because uh, Abria and my characters were so close like Kind of like stepping in and taking and like that was it was kind of like the end at the campaign. I think it's spoilers, sorry, but it's really good. You should watch it anyway. Like a, uh, yeah, epilogue. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, it was kind of like an epilogue thing <clears throat> about what happened at the end, and it was. I just remember being so emotional, like her and I sitting next to each other, like literally just kind of tearing up that I was going to take her two imaginary children, right, and like guide them, like with her, you know, and it was just like this this big moment that really like. Also, because like our friendship had kind of been, because she was she was newer, like we knew each other, we were friends, but like that campaign like sealed us as like we are best friends forever now, outside right. of the game and in the game, because you adopted my two fake kids <laughs> who don't really <laughs> exist, and you're gonna make sure that they're raised right, right, and like yeah, I don't know, it's just that was just a really like poignant moment. It does sort of dovetail into into uh, what kind of system would you do? I, I'm always reminded of, and I didn't play it. And you and I, you you have this share a similar thing about about Monster Hearts, which is it's a dangerous game to play because it really makes people dwell on the uncomfortable parts of life, emotions, and stuff. I I understand that the Monster Heart games was was very very uh, dramatic, but I. I I, I think that there are some games out there that really um, want you to 
mm-hmm. pick at the scab and and poke right. at things, and I don't know how healthy that is at the end of the day. Right. Well, it's also it's important, like Matcha Hearts specifically, like it's it's very upfront about that, and it's very upfront about some of the safety tools you need to use with that. You, um, you, and you need to use. Yeah, them. and it has a limit. Like it, it has like this is when your campaign ends. Like you don't you're not supposed to like make the choice. Um, and we've talked, like, obviously our, our Monster Hearts campaign kind of ended without an ending. One of the reasons, like, looking back on it is because they ignored that rule. Right. Like, they should have ended their campaign according to the rules as written. Um, you were in it, right? No, 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 I wasn't in it. But I organized it, and then I did, like, some, like, talks with them about it, because it did bring up a lot of really intense emotions. It's a very, it was a very intense game. It was a super intense game. A great listening, really. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up with a bunch of couples out of it. Like, it was one of those games that's like, oh, good, everybody paired off and is getting married. <laughs> I mean, I guess Joey and Adam are getting married now, so we can't be super, too mad about it. It's a joyous right. occasion. Um, but, uh... So it was like a very intense game, and but you have to pay attention because a lot of games that are designed to be really intense like that have those things baked into them, or yeah. they should, right. if they are responsibly written, which Monster Heart is. I don't know if it's a... I, I wonder if anyone who isn't a psychologist or psychiatrist is qualified to even write that fucking game. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I think it's you, dangerous, you are too. Go, you, are, you are going in, and you are picking at childhood trauma. Yes. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, that is... I mean... Fortress trauma. There's a reason therapists have licenses. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. I agree with this too. I agree. And, I can say that that's no one. A, no one pays money to go to an amateur therapist. I can say that that's not a game that appeals to me. I, it, right. I've had opportunities to play it. I've turned it down because that's not something that I want. To, that's not a thing I'm interested in playing. Like right. I'm fine with romance and games and things like that, but that particular um, brand of like let's kind of uh, revisit. High school years at the power fantasy, right? Um, isn't something that speaks to me. Um, that may be also because I didn't feel powerless in high school, so I like can absolutely empathize with people who did feel powerless in high school, wanting to try that. But again, like like you were saying, it may not always be a good idea, right. especially not a good idea if there are mechanics there to try and keep you safe and you're ignoring them. Right. So it's something that needs to be done. Carefully. Like very carefully and like looking back, like and responsibly. Yeah, like I, I think Monster Hearts has a place, but I don't think you can ever really play a good game of Monster Hearts um, like streamed. It's a very private experience, right? So I think I think our group did a really great job of staying true to what Monster Hearts was supposed to be. There have been other APs that people were like, hey, that was an interesting show, but that wasn't really what Monster Hearts is like. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it is so personal. It and really it takes is. so much trust. I think that's something that... like Trust, that's a very good point. Yeah. There's a lot of trust in that. And it's you're basically gaming with strangers. You don't really know them. And to put yourself and lay yourself naked like that in these games is scary. Yeah, and, so when, and, you're stream- yeah, and when you're streaming, even if you trust everybody at the table, there's always that other person you know is there. Mm-hmm. And you may not know them, and you may not trust them. So that's yeah. always a hard thing. And I, like, kind of talking about that, I feel like that's something that's really important with this immersion. And I feel like that's something that you you build trust with a group, and that increases the chip. Excuse me, the chance of that immersion happening. Oh, definitely. I think. So. I think Absolutely. that's super key. So if you're in a group where you're feeling nervous or you're feeling self conscious about becoming immersed in your character, it will not happen. Right. Um, so I think I and think I, yeah. I, and there are things that the GM can do to encourage that, like having like out of like in character conversations, not even necessarily about the game, 
or because there's even Savage Worlds even has a mechanic in there. There's that interlude, interludes, something mm-hmm. like that, where it's like, oh, you, and you can get like a little bit of a bonus if you know, flip a card and tell them a story about a triumph you had once mm-hmm. in your past or something. Yeah, and then you know, you're it's a great mechanic to build up your character's history and flesh it out, and also to get a chance at that elusive brass ring of immersion. <laughs> yeah. Now, Let's go to number two because I feel like we had a pretty the, good segue. Yeah. Now, I, I was going to say, I don't think that there's a system out there that's going to do it for you. I think what you probably need to do is you pick a system but ignore most of the mechanics and only only use a randomizer and some rules when you feel that you can't do anything else, if you can't talk your way out of it. If The, the less you bring up randomizers, the less you bring up charts, the less you bring up armor classes, the more the more immersion you're going to have. I remember I played with a, I played with a group of people in high school who he kind of came up with his own game. We had, we had dice, but he would just sort of talk and narrate a story, and occasionally we would have to roll some dice just to, to, for, as a randomizer, whether you attack or whatever, but for the most part it was we were discussing things. And like, so when you came to the city guard, instead of looking up for a stat to see if I could talk my way out, it's like, what do you say? How do you go? And so, really, we, it, we spent more time talking and interacting with NPCs and interacting with each other, and less time rolling dice and looking up rules. And it it really made the games much more intense, much more personal. We were all talking in character most of the time. So you're playing a story game. It, it was it was, but it wasn't. It was before it became a thing. But it wasn't necessarily a story game. Well, I mean, it was even really like more of just original D and D was yeah. so rules light. That's what I I'm mean, saying. If you go back to like the Zero really? Edition, yeah. Super rules light. There's no skills, right? Oh wow! I mean, there was a chart for if you're a thief, but I mean it, that that whole, the whole ga- idea of that game is very similar to what you're talking about. It's player skill versus mm-hmm. character skill, and it's and it and I think a, a lack of rules or simple rules, mm-hmm. or even if it's just rules that you just know like the back of your hand. Yes, those are all things that are going to get the rules kind of out of the way, out of, out the of, way. The, out of your mind space enough so that you can get immersed, right? I have to say, and we're going to talk more about him in a few minutes, actually, but when um, we played our Darknet game um, and Mook was GMing uh, GURPS, like, I didn't think GURPS could be an immersive game because of all the mechanics involved. Absolutely. Um, And, I mean, we played it before, but I I feel like it was sort of, like, bumpy because we'd, like, switch systems all those times and stuff. Um, But he made it so seamless, it became incredibly immersive. Mm -hmm. And part of it was, like... But Bill and and Tyler and Elspeth were all at the table too, so it was like also a group that I love, and they're like some of my best friends. So you have that that trust. Um, but if you know a system well enough, any even crunchy systems can become pretty um, absolutely yeah, pretty immersive. And that's actually a great note for all GMs, like because mm-hmm. I played with Mook as well, and I know Gerbs pretty well, but he made it so that you didn't ever have to look at a rule book. In fact, I don't you know he, he like don't. And so he would tell you what happened. You'd roll your dice, and he'd tell you what, what happened. And I yeah. think that's a good note for any GMs. Just try to keep your players from looking at their, at their stats. Try to keep your players from trying to look up numbers or powers or whatever. Have them ask you, and you tell them. Yeah. It puts a lot more on you, but it means that that way the players are free to just interact and play mm-hmm. and not and not um, sit around at the rule book for half of their turn trying to figure out what, <laughs> what right. they can do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unfair. And don't play a mage. 
And don't play maid. Because if you play a maid, you're going to end up having to look at a lot of shit. I'm anyway. just yeah, doing that. I had yeah. sheets of paper and everything. It's just really hard. You're trying to look at look at your options, and especially if you don't play the game but very I, often. I, I think generally, like the best system for immersion is the system you know the best. Yes, right. absolutely. That's where I was going with that. There is one other note I wanted to make, which is if you really like immersion and you sort of like to tell stories, I think Fiasco is a wonderful way. It's not necessarily a game. I think I think of it more of theater sports. Mm-hmm. But I if you haven't that. tried it. You get a group of friends together, and you and you open up this playbook, and you and there's chapters, and you role play out the situations, and it's a wonderful. You can't not be immersed in Fiasco, mm-hmm. but it's called Fiasco for a reason, because it <laughs> never ends well. Yeah, it and it's not really supposed to, but well, it's supposed boy, to like recreate a heist that goes terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the a idea. couple, there's a bunch of different playbooks that have, with different things, but it never, but it, everything yes, goes terribly, terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I've never had more immersive experiences th- than the few times I've played Fiasco. There's people crying. Yeah. There's people like in the other side going, "Oh my god!" And the choices you make because you know it's just a throwaway for the play. You like you make horrible choices. You're a garbage person, and people are like, "Oh, it's it's fun and it is really immersive." So I highly recommend that to scratch the itch if you're having trouble. F- Finding people that want to play a game. And oh, yeah, it's a yeah. Coen, Bo- well, Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah there you go. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's a perfect example. We also tend to like play Coen's that story. at. Yeah, we also tend to play that at like eleven thirty or twelve thirty at night at a after con. the bars closed. After the bars closed, <laughs> we're all like a little tipsy and like still high on the gaming. Like I've euphoria. seen. People, I saw Molly legitimately tearing up and yeah, crying. Her 100%. characters were so she was so invested in the character and in the pro, and in the moment. Yeah, it was it was as immersive as I've ever been in a game. Yeah, ostensibly a game. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's so check it out if you haven't. I, I highly yeah. recommend it. If it, that will scratch the itch, and then you can go back to playing hero and, and blowing yeah. up buildings. I also think like um, like I know I talk about these a lot, but I think I also think having safety tools there at your table makes mm-hmm. people more willing to take chances and to because they know there's a way to stop it if it starts getting right. like out of their comfort zone. So looking into that and seeing what your group. I know like a lot of groups are like no, those are silly, but like I found. Even when I'm with groups that I really trust, um, like we're doing a, a home game right now. It's like Dave and Adam and Joey and me and Jason and Nick. Um, and they've been super nice. And like we've been hanging out uh, around my campfire for like the last year, like once a week in my backyard around my fire pit. Um, and even though we're all really good friends, we trust each other like implicitly, like more than it, like you can imagine. Um, we still have safety tools in place. Right. Because you never know when there's that day where, like, that's going to be a thing that, that stresses you out. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to, like, go there or something's just a little bit, like, too far. And so it just it just helps make sure everyone feels like they have that safety net if they need it. And, yeah, I I can remember intimately, even back in the day in high school, um, sometimes I was in a bad mood, other people were in a bad mood, yeah. they just had a bad day, and it bleeds into the game. It's like, mm-hmm. at some point, I once or twice a week, it's like, and it can get. I don't really too. want to play. Or do right. you even want to be here today? No, I don't. Right. Like, I had a shit day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. call it tonight. Let's go do something else. Or maybe we'll play. Maybe that's actually when we would like learn new systems. Like I really don't want to play this right now. Okay. Well, yeah. why don't we try RuneQuest? And then we. Yeah, but anyway, it's yes. It's it's nice to have that out where you're like, well, I showed up because. You know, we postponed last week and two weeks ago, right. but I really don't want to be here, and I'm. That's yeah. Real life gets in the way. Yeah, but yeah, I totally agree with what Stu said. Like, I think the system that's going to be most immersive is the one you know best and can run seamlessly. Yeah. 
So whichever system that is, for some people that's D&D, for some people it's a PBTA game, for some people it's other things, um, but that's like the premium awesome. Try to, try to keep your players from rolling dice and looking up charts and yeah. looking up, just, right. if the less they do that, the more they're going to talk to each other and the more mm-hmm. they're going to immerse. I also have another thing, which is going to sound like self-promotion, I'm sorry, but um, have the group create the world together. Oh, yeah. I think that also mm-hmm. really helps with immersion, because instead of being like, we come into the town, is there a blacksmith? Like, everybody at the table already knows all that stuff. They're invested now. Yeah, and you have backstory that you've in- created together with your character, so it's kind of like um, like a shortcut to having like like really lived backstory. You can use Decimo if you want, but uh, any other shit, like, there's lots of ways to do it. Um, but I think that also helps people with immersion and getting that immersion feeling sooner, because you're not trying to build history; you have history, even if you haven't acted it out. Right. That you can then use to inform your immersion. And it, now I think I'm done. <laughs> and and people are going to have different acting abilities. Some people are going to get really immersive and literally cry and tear up, and other people are going to. Aren't going to get that close. My or, character does this. Or my character says this to. But this they're not NBC. even being sarcastic. Right. They just—they're yeah. doing their best. Yeah. But they're—they just—they're not going to be as immersive as maybe you would like them to be, or you're not perceiving them to be as immersive as, as you maybe you would like them to be. And it's—it's it's not that they're not trying. That's the best they can do. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, sometimes you have to trust that everyone is having a good time and they're doing the best they can and. You know, I mean, and they may feel completely immersed, even yeah. if they're not showing it physically. Yeah. So don't ever assume they're not until they actually say it. Because yeah. like how I react, you know, with my character and being in character, I might tear up, but like Stu might not ever tear up, no matter how immersed she is in a character. You know, so those are just everybody has different physical reactions and I'm dead facial inside. reactions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. You said it better. Thank you for that. Right. Thanks, thanks for clarifying that. Stumbling around the word. Something, here's a point. I'm just going to wander around it till I got to it, but you <laughs> well, went then, right to it. Well, you were saying too. Well, you were saying too. People can be having a good time without necessarily being as immersed as right. you expect them to be. Yeah. So I think those are two related but separate points. <laughs> All right. Yay, thank, magic octopus. Thank, thank you, you magic yeah. octopus. That was a really good topic. Unexpected twists and turns from Zed in Zed. Up. In the UK. Please tag yourself on the map. Okay. So, hey, Happy Jack's crew. I started DMing about a year ago for my group. And recently, I've tried moving away from pre-made adventures to my own campaign. My problem is without structure of the uh, the structure of the adventure to guide me. Uh, my problem is without the structure of the adventure to guide me. When the party takes an unexpected mid-session, and I have nothing prepared, uh, an unexpected turn mid-session, and I have nothing prepared, and I feel very lost. For example, we're playing a sea-based story, and so far I've prepared some island and some sea encounters for them to decide, uh, and they decided to head inland, despite the story hooks I had presented to them. (laughs) What is your advice for these kinds of situations? Longtime fan, Zen, writing in from Norfolk, UK. Well, I know what Stu's solution is. You go to the bathroom. Yeah! And come up with a... Well, yeah, give yourself... you, it's it's hard to come up. It's hard to improvise something when you're under pressure. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least it is for me. So I will. I'm, I can go to the bathroom, and I will miraculously take like a notepad and a pencil with me. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You, oh, I know. Well, actually, I take my phone, and who doesn't? Yeah, no, no, no. Everyone's phone has poop on it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> or pee, or both. both. 
Probably. And it, like so many other gross things. Oh yeah, I, I'm gonna get a petri dish and just like swipe. They've phone. done it. They, you look it, look it up on the I internet. I bet it's worse than toilets. There was that Seinfeld episode where like the the book it was in the bathroom I mean, and they wouldn't take it back because they had a test. No, this has been in the bathroom. How do you know? How do they know? When's the last Who's time you pooped bathroom? without your phone? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, who are all these people? <laughs> but it, it, if you can like separate yourself from that pressure of having to come up with something, it, you, for me at least, it's easier to come up with something mm-hmm. when there, there's not a whole table of people fucking staring at you. Yes. <laughs> Entertain us, monkey. Right. We, we took a left turn. Now what? Now what are you going to do, huh? Yeah. The other thing you can do is be very flexible with your prep. Yeah. I mean, if, it, is that any of that stuff that you came up with, can that be on the mainland? Yeah. It, it, can the sea monster be a dragon? Yeah. Right. Just reskin it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have something in my back pocket just in case. I have a map of or something so like when they go inland, suddenly there's a there's a dungeon, there's a keep, whatever. And I pull it out of the backpack. This is there. <laughs> it's a generic. Could be a, it. Maybe next week it's a church. Maybe next week it's an inn. But there's always something that I have for that very reason. Whenever I'm in GMing, just in case your characters decide to fuck with you and not take your story hooks. Um, and and. You could even take an, a, a pre-skin adventure if you really need that structure, and just, like you say, reskin it and just and just change the names to protect the innocent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, reskinning is like the best tool in a GM's kit. Um, when I do uh, systems like Wild Talents or things like that, where you have very specific hit points and hit locations and things like that, I always have like a stack of like printed out, just kind of like bad guys. Right. And then it's like, oh, these bad guys are. The security team at the, you know, science facility. The stat block's a stat block. They're not going to know. Exactly. And then it's like, They're not going to know it's the same pirate they killed, like, 10 minutes ago. Exactly. (laughs) So save that stuff and, like, just have, like, a a list of it or just basic things. You can print out things. Like, they're not going to know. If you're, if the, uh, like, the, the pirates that have the treasure hoard on the island that you expected them to go to... Like, oh, oh, they they went left and said, oh, they're going inland. Oh, okay. Oh, these are now the soldiers at the fort. Or the bandits. Or the bandits. Right. Whatever it is, and, like, that have the and, gold. And do yourself a favor. Make all your bandits the same, except for maybe the leader. They all have the same hit points. They all, because otherwise you're going to be like, what, is this bandit number 10? stats for a zombie. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the stuff they fight is a zombie. Yeah. yeah. I just, it just doesn't stink. Yeah. yeah. So they don't know it's a zombie. Right? <laughs> See? I just learned a thing. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> most, of, most of the time when I do fights, I don't have stats. <laughs> I make them up on the spot. Right? It's like, well, it's probably, like, it, it, let's say it's skirts. Yeah. Well, I'm just, just ab- 10 hit points. Uh, yeah, I do that too, actually. Now, <laughs> what you guys are actually talking and about, too, because you guys, you guys are very experienced GMs, and you're actually pretty cool, you're, and you're very relaxed when that happens. And, and yeah. clearly, he still needs some structure, which For is sure. fine. Yeah. And, and other people, it's, but you guys have gotten pretty good at just sort of winging it. And where did you, where did the... Where did you cross the line from needing all that structure to being okay with just improvising? It is realizing that the players are just want to have a good time. Okay. And, and what you come up with, for the most part, even if you just improvise it and you just pulled it out of your ass, they're going to be happy with it. And if you don't let on, they don't know that you just pulled it out of your ass. They think, oh, look, oh, he's got something prepared here. I, look, I didn't think he would have anything. He would just go to the island. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that takes a and it takes a while to get to the point where you realize that but yeah. once you realize that it takes a huge weight off of your off of your shoulders yeah and it's like there you're all there to have fun and everyone's kind of on the same side yeah and, and and I think once you realize that 
it, it becomes a lot easier to relax enough to be able to. What about the burden you have? It's probably self-imposed about making sure that your players have a good time and 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 making sure that th- there's this burden to GMs like I gotta I gotta make sure they had a good time. I gotta make sure that they that they feel fulfilled in the game. Uh, how do you combat that? I don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I, I literally don't. I don't. Well, I've been GMing. I, that's not a fair thing to say. Because I've been jamming for a really freaking long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but it, it it's to the point now where it's like I, I can kind of gauge by this t- couple sessions in how the game is going to go. If mm-hmm. it's going to be like a really good game, it's going to be an okay game or whatever. And then I and I, I just it's like it, it's what it is. It's like the people pleaser in, in a lot of people. You just want to make sure everybody. It's like you want to make sure your boss is happy. You want to make sure that the right. teacher's happy. You want to you want to please the people. You want to make sure you know. And so as a GM, sometimes you feel like. Mm-hmm. You failed if your players are like, I don't really like this game. You're like, oh my god, they don't like me. They don't like my game. Well, I, I'm the first person to kill a game. Yeah. Especially if I'm GMing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's like, fuck this game. <laughs> I'm done. So even maybe good games, like even games that you're enjoying, you're like, uh, I have. Well, I, I don't kill them if I if I'm enjoying them. Kind of. You also get bored really easily. What happens usually, even with good games, you're like, hey, I really like the the system over here. It's like the the meme. All GMs do that. No, I know, but you're also... the meme with the boyfriend and the girl. Yeah, it is. It's like you and any system you're running, and then like, oh... I just got this from a Kickstarter. Send a new system. Yeah. Send a new system and me and my old So, system. how many sessions of this game do I have, Kimmy? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some, that's happened a few times, but, like, it doesn't happen that much, really. I mean, if I'm running L5R, no, I love L5R. You love L5R. V20, fucking love that system. And he's run game. games that have run for two years or so with us in them. I've yes. run games that had 40 sessions. Yes. That's a long fucking campaign. Sure. <laughs> so, I, I. But, like, like the GURPS game, it's going to end up running what? Eight? Session, yeah. Well, that, that's like that. because of the studio moving. That, well, that and also the fact that Ren first we shut everything right. down yeah. for a month. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. that's that was hard. So, I guess I'm bringing it back to um, just like I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. It's like um, I've, I it, just kind of answering your question a second ago. It yeah. took me a while. Like I over prepped for a really long time, mm-hmm. um, especially because when I started, I was mostly running convention games. Which was looking back a big trial by fire, and maybe not the best way to learn to run games with a bunch of strangers at your table. But I learned fast. Um, and those games, by nature, are extremely structured because you're on a time limit. Yeah. And you're trying to get from you're trying to get a beginning, a middle, and an end in four hours. So you are you you really want to keep everything not on the rails, but going and moving forward and and yeah. Prepared. So that that forced me a couple times to more to improv things. Like I they went a place that I hadn't expected, and I had four hours, so I did. I went to the bathroom, and then <laughs> and then like I came back and I'd realized okay, these bad guys that I'm over here, oh, they're never gonna get to that guy, the the big bad guy that I planned in time. Right. Like we've got. 45 minutes left. They're never going to figure that out. I know. I can reskin this person that they are already suspecting to be the big bad. Well, they haven't fought him, so they don't know his stats or anything. Like, oh, he he's now this guy's stats. Right. And the players are never the wiser for it. Um, and I, I learned that but kind of the hard way. I was like, oh, they, they didn't know. They didn't know I faked was it. it. Was it, they do you remember know. the game? It was that was the, that was the epiphany? That was the moment where you went, I've been over prepping for so long. Yeah. That was <laughs> I, that I remember game. the moment. I'm not going to say what game it was because people, I still know people who played in that game and they thought it was amazing and I'm just going to like leave that. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's like, 
it takes practice. Like, you're going to over-prep, and then there's going to be, like, one time where you're like, oh, oh, this one, and you're just going to switch one thing. And then it's just going to build from there and your confidence until, like, eventually you get to the point, maybe, like, you're like, I never prep for games anymore. Like, I have my, my stat blocks if it's a game that needs stats that are kind of generic that I can reskin as things. But for the most part, like, I kind of have a story that I have in mind and in the world, but I want them to kind of discover it with me. And it, as the story progresses, and I'll be like, I know who's really behind all this as we go. So I'm kind of like developing the story as the campaign is going, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fun. I love doing that. It makes it more immersive for me as a GM. Um, If I just had a story I wanted them to play along with, I would write a book, make more money. Not really. Not really. (laughs) None of the big bucks off your your Uh, home published Amazon game? Nope. I bought one. Yeah, my... Mandate Chronicles, if you want to go. Yeah. yeah. There's three of them. I'm, re- I'm about halfway through the fourth one. I read them. I killed off a major character <gasps> in the fourth book. What? I won't say who. Yeah, I did. Um, I found it. There was a book I got that actually changed the way I GM'd. It was called Never Unprepared. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah. The Complete Game Master's Guide to Session Prep. Yeah. By uh, Phil Vecchione. Oh, my God. You used to talk that, about that all the time yep. on the podcast. I, I bought it for my daughter who's yeah. GMing games now. Uh, yeah, is it? So cool. Who was it? Who came out with this? The person who wrote the book? No, it, 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 was it is it Gnome Stew that came out with it? I can't remember the, the the webs because there's a yeah. there's yeah. a, a it's you group just search of people for it. that you can just search for because I it's bought it recently. Never unprepared. Yeah. It's, and it's got a it's blue co- green cover. It and is there's also um, there's also Lazy GM and Lazy GM too, which are very helpful as well for it. Basically, just talks you down off the tree of, of over prepping. Yeah, that, that's exactly what that did. And it and it is. You know, it, I'm reminded of, of Boggart shows because you and I were in a group once where that was heavily scripted. Mm-hmm. Everything was heavily scripted, and then the first couple of Boggarts shows, we wrote scripts. We wrote scripts. Yeah, and eventually that's we what got everyone else was doing right, but eventually we got to the point where it's like we just have a structure of songs that we hang this shtick off of, and then the shtick has gotten to be fairly repetitive at times, but new things would pop up, and it, we've gotten comfortable enough to know that. We can just play around within the skeleton, and you can just call out a song, and we'll we'll come and up with everyone, stuff to yeah, go with it. Everyone, someone knows who what's, who's going to start that bit, and then it just goes on from right. There. So, there, but there's and no someone's going to say something funny, maybe. right? Right, and, and sometimes so nice. or not. <laughs> but we all take make note of it, and so the show kind of morphs and changes. But we we have the courage now to just go out there without a script, right? And it's not quite improv because there is a structure to it, but it's not scripted, right? And I think that's a way a good game is as well. It's not completely improv because you have done prep. Mm-hmm. You've made stat blocks. And you've and created you a world. A even, if, <laughs> even if you're not writing anything down, yes. you're still doing prep. You're thinking about it. Yeah. You're planning. Like, yeah. I think this is kind of what's going to happen. This is going to be the, the problem that they are confronted with. Right. Like, yeah, you're definitely planning, even if you're not, like, make, taking notes. Um, but, but I, yeah, I've never read a GMing book ever. So it's also possible to just kind of learn your own style or sure. listen to this podcast. I, 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 I read no GMing books until I read Never Unprepared. The only other GMing book I read, which was no help at all, was uh, Role Playing Mastery by E. Gary Gygax, <sighs> which I, I still have a copy of. I may gift it to you. Timekeeping. Oh. But it is amazing. You should all, I should, we should do, you should do weekly readings. Oh my God. <laughs> It's Traveler 5 was really handy, too. I'm not, <laughs> my God, it's full of charts. 
I actually threw away Traveler. I thought you were using the pop up the corner of your, your sofa not, for a while. I couldn't give it away. I don't have any furniture that's that's, fuck, that's that <laughs> fucked up. It's pretty thick. Because it's, it's, it's like a three-inch book. I ended up throwing it away. No one wanted it. I left a bunch of RPG stuff on my porch, and I announced on the on our Slack... I announced on the Slack that there's a bunch of RPG stuff. I listed all of what it was. There's a bunch of hero stuff. There's a bunch of this. There's a bunch of this. It's all sitting in, in bags on my porch. If anyone wants any of it, you can come and take what you want. And some people did come and get, some stuff, t- yeah. take some stuff. But that fucking Traveler 5 book, nope. it sat it there, there the whole time. It was there for a long time. It was like it probably, for like two You know, months. I took it, and then I realized how bad it was, and I brought it back. I snuck <laughs> back in the middle of the night and put it back on the porch. Even the binding was bad. Like, it was starting to fall apart and stuff. Well, mine wasn't. Oh, it wasn't? Oh, no. somebody's, somebody's... It's too heavy to hold, so I stopped reading oh. it. <laughs> there you go. So a bunch of people were complaining about it because they, like... Wasn't it a Kickstarter? Yeah. It was a Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. They backed it for, like, a ton of money I and it was, it like, falling bucks. apart. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I don't know if it would have fallen apart, but, I, I mean, I, I, like... I spent hours trying to find out how damage works. I know. Yeah. And it's like, I couldn't even I, figure out find what section it I was know. in. I looked through to it and I, I got so... There were so many charts and hit probabilities, and I like I started trying to figure out where the actual rules were, and it was just <laughs> first like twenty pages of the book and is the probability it, charts pro- of like, dice. Like <laughs> like he he was using it to justify why he I, we, I couldn't believe it. I could wow. not believe it. I'm not kidding. It, it is the shining I still have example it. of how not to write an RPG book. I still it have really it. Really is. And the, I don't. And, I and Mongoose Traveler is so solid and so strong. Yeah. It's like, oh, and this guy came up with the original Traveler, which was a decent little game. It was a fantastic and game when that it came game, out. It was so disappointing. It was, it was like it just, it's just unmanageable. Yeah. I think it was Mission Creep. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, well, he hadn't done anything for forty years. It was like he stepped out of his DeLorean. I'm like, I'm the gaming god. <laughs> Bye-bye. And you're like, what is this? Where have you been for 40 years? Oh, I see. Working on this. Chat says, how solid is it? (laughs) Good game. Yeah, they also say, happy show retirement, Stu. Oh, thank you. Not for like three more weeks. Three, yeah, three more. Three more sessions, and then we're going to be at my house. And Stork is still going to be there. And I'm still going to be there. Uh, Already getting mad. Don't get mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm gonna miss Stu, but I'm gonna make him come sometimes. I'll, I'll, I'll show up eventually. He says he wants to game, run, run a game or so. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it, I expect it to be like a break as you like revel in your newfound freedom. Yeah. Well, and then eventually, oh yeah, I got plans for you're this place. So <laughs> yeah, but once he like settles and in and you're like, hey, okay, I have my space back, I can go there and I don't have to be obligated to like do audio files or post anything. I can right. just talk about it and then come yeah. home. Fuck doing that stuff. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll be doing that stuff for my for the for the folk sh- show. Oh, I was going to I wasn't sure we could talk about that. But yeah, but you, that's that's easier. You've though. got that's your so you've much got, easier. He's got that's other projects. I have to download a bunch of fucking YouTube videos and scrape the audio off them. That takes so fucking forever. Mad at me? I figured out how to fix that already. I've already fixed it. Well, how how do you you still you still have to download the video? How are you getting the audio out? We can talk are about you, this off Are you doing it in, in YouTube, or are you doing it from Twitch? Restream. Oh, Restream will do it? $16 a month. Restream po- takes separate files of everything. I click on it and go, download audio file. Oh, my God. And it's on my computer three minutes later. I, the, I know. It, 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 an hour yeah. per AP episode is what it takes. Yep. Yeah. Not anymore because I, I did. I did. I real, real player will turn it into MP3 as well. Real player? How, what? This is 1985. Once it's computer back, they still have it. <laughs> it still <laughs> works. It really? Downloads into, you have an option to download to save it as an MP3. Are you wanting Windows Seven or something? 
They, yes. They've kept up. But I discovered that like last week. That's why I was like, no shit. Hey, I'm going to start doing the audio files because I literally downloaded the last version of uh, the last episode of I of Horus in three minutes. No shit. Yep. And all I have to do is, and I just dropped it in um, Audacity and like trimmed it. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you once you have the audio file, the Super rest of it's fast. very quick. Yeah. It's getting the getting to the audio file that yeah, has I'm been sorry. a pain in the fucking yeah. ass. I'm still taking the studio. You don't get it back. That's fine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Real player will do it for free. Yeah. Okay. Save it as an MP3. Then you move it out of density. But yeah, save the whatever whatever video you're watching. You can do it. It'll download it, and then it has an okay, option to save still, it as an audio or has, as an MP3. It's still downloading. The video file and then scraping the audio off. Then you can say save as an MP3 to toss out all the rest of the stuff. A long time, eh. especially if it's a four-hour AP. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the problem. That's okay, sixteen ninety-nine a month. Like I don't have to worry about any of oh, this, yeah. and I just like, I download. I would have paid four times that. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Had I known the nuts yeah. and bolts of running a podcast, right? Yeah. Will the will Canada still be there without the burps? I feel like Canada will be there more. They pro- the yeah, yeah, they hate the burps. And there will be burps. Like, my burps are not quite as impressive. Generally, it's not... Like, Your it's sneezes little, are what like, really yeah, sets you really apart. apart. But Stork will be there and <laughs> Stork burps a little. My sneezes, yeah. Oh, I started a new allergy med, so it's not as... It doesn't happen as much anymore. Look at some pepper. You used to have, a, you used to have an audio file of it. She was so mad. It was so... It was, yeah. Used to. Yeah, it's still there. Nice have it. It's got a burp in it too. Here, put the headphones on. <laughs> it's a little bit of my burp yeah, and your sneeze. It, it, it's, it's the like best of both the worlds. The moment of Happy Jacks, like the perfect Happy Jacks moment. <laughs> I'll have to take the audio files and figure out how to do that. I can just give you that. Uh, yeah, maybe. It doesn't plug. It's in gonna there. die. I know. That's why I don't want it. That's like this the, is gonna die. Let me give it to you. It'll be great. I think it's the original. <laughs> yeah, it's like. St- st- iPad, iPad mini or one whatever. or something. I, I think this was an iPad Air. Is it the original iPad Air they called this thing? Yeah. I don't know. It's very old. But yeah, it's very old. All right. So we, we answered his question, right? Yeah, we did. Okay. Oh yeah, we need to. So we were going to circle back on Mook. Oh yeah. So unfortunately, um, some of you know we've talked about it on social media a little bit and things like that. Um, Mook who. Is a what was a staple of the Southern California role playing community, specifically the GURPS community. West Coast Guru GURPS. Yeah, just amazing. Um, unfortunately, a few weeks ago, he passed away. Yep. Um, so, um, a lot of information about like like why and stuff isn't public, and that's not our place to share that information. Um, but we definitely he was such an integral part of our community, and he's done Happy Jacks APs and. He was just like one of those presences that we always saw at the con. Yep. Just like and a genuinely yeah. nice guy. Just a fantastic in a, person. In, a, in kind of a hobby that's kind of full of egos and broken toys, Mook was, was a genuinely yeah, he really, nice guy. Yep. He, yeah. he, Absolutely. He, he, anybody that wanted to come to his game, he was excited. Yeah. He would. He was literally excited to have players at his game. I remember walking in and um, he's like, it, just vibrating. And uh, when the GM's excited to have you, you get excited. Oh, he just. He was such a great gamer and player. Yeah. Yeah, so and, and and loved gaming and loved GURPS and wanted to share and, and wrote great books about it, by the mm-hmm. way, too. His books are actually very worthwhile. How to be a GURPS GM. Yeah. How to be a GM, really. Published by Steve really. Jackson Games. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. They're very worthwhile. But he was just a genuinely nice guy and a great GM. I Some of the best games I've ever had at cons were his games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, so he will be... He is already hugely missed. Yes. It's been yep. very strange, kind of like... 
dealing with that that new reality of our of our friend circle and so yeah we wanted to share because we do talk and we still to this day regularly reference him on this podcast because of all his wisdom and his Mm -hmm. knowledge and his ability as a gm and a Mm -hmm. gamer and we will continue to do so i used to use his website because mook.net i think was his website and he had tons of like GURPS examples on there. Like mm-hmm. when I first got the fourth edition books, I discovered his webpage before he even knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And and I went through and he's like, oh, he's got combat examples with all the optional rules. Oh, oh this is awesome. So he could read through it and like kind of understand it. But then he could go through the examples. It's like, and it, it, yeah, the, 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 the stuff he contributed to the, especially to the GURPS community was just amazing. He just loved gaming and yeah, he, he loved role playing. He um, GURPS was his. That was his comfort. Yeah. That as we said, pick a game Same you like and, and run it. That yeah. was his system. But he liked. He just loved gaming. He loved everything about it. He was. He was a really great champion of the of our hobby and a, just a genuinely great guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so fun to just like sit and hang out with. Yeah, always enthusiastic. And he will be sorely, sorely missed. I just yeah. we've lost a beacon. We've lost a flame. And I, I, I say that kind of funny, but it he really was like just I, every time you walked into a room, it lit up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're not even going to like really feel it until like our first con. Yeah, and he's and not there. Sit there. And he's not going to be there and hanging out with us at the bar. Always smiling, always laughing. Ever seen him not smiling? Yep. Not even like the, in the middle of the night when everybody's tired and yeah. cranky. He was even then. He was like yeah. a super nice, smiley guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, we're gonna miss him. And um, yeah. So can we get a final gurps? Yeah, for Mook. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we wanted to inform you. We've kind of been. Like we talked about it in social media, but we wanted to be a little careful about it because obviously his family and things like that they right. have priority. Um, but yeah, we we wanted to mention it to the wider community, and he will be missed. But his his digital footprint is still out there if you want to go check him out. Yeah, there's still information. I don't know if Mook.net is still up and running, but it's all. It will not, be for a while. We need to make, save as yeah. and and make a mirror somewhere. We need to reach yeah. out to his family too and see like. Yeah. But if you yeah. said his books are published by Steve Jackson. Games. Yeah, anyway, yeah. It's, he's, and then he's on our APs and such. So Absolutely. Yeah. His digital ghost lives on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to see some excellent GURPS jamming and just how seamless it was, he ran the Darknet for us, um, which yeah. was an online game. And even an online game of GURPS became seamless and flows right. very well. So it's pretty amazing. All right, so then on, on that... Somber note. note. (laughs) Respectful and somber. Thank you for joining us for season 29, episode 13 of Happy Jack's Rotary Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. And we'll see you next week, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, right here at happyjacks.org slash live. Actually, it's just Twitter now. So it's just happyjacks.org slash, or uh, sorry, Twitch. Happy slash Twitch. Oh, okay. Happy Jackson.org slash Twitch. I would keep the live because I've been saying live for the no, last no, 10 still years. There. Okay. <laughs> it's still there. All right. That's it. Bye. Bye.
problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make the preceding program has been a presentation of the angry folk media empire bum, 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 bum.